This weekend, we as a family are going to witness 53 people getting baptized. How awesome is that? Can we just praise the Lord for that? Now, each service, we take one-fourth of those and allow them to be uh, publicly witnessed in their proclamation of how much Jesus means to them. But I want to make sure that when we all cheer, and this is how it works today, you're going to have it up on the screens, we're going to have music going, it's going to be worship, we got cameras following them, so families are coming up and they're getting prayed for, and you're going to see all tears and exalt, it's amazing. And when you see that, the minute they come up out of that water, no matter what song you're singing, I want you to stop what you're doing and cheer super loud for them because they're coming up out of that water and it's an exciting day for them and we want to celebrate it along with them. Now, my goal to teach you up front is so that we all know what we're cheering about, right? Because it's super awkward when you're like, whoa, yeah, I don't know what we're doing here right now, right? We want to make sure everyone's on the same page, so I'm going to teach you a little bit about what baptism means, and we're going to have people coming in on both sides, right? We have two different baptismals, and but what are they doing? If you don't listen to anything I say next, right? Let's say you have a good text going with somebody else, or a video game, right? And you don't hear another word that I say. The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you says it all. What is it? Baptism means all in. Baptism means all all in. As you go all in the water, we're going all in for Jesus. We're saying he is my Lord and Savior. Those getting baptized may not know all that it means, but they certainly know that he is their king. And when you say he is my king and you proclaim that out loud, that's awesome. It means all in. But I would love for all of us to know the deeper pieces to baptism. So in order to do that, it actually started thousands of years ago. We're going to go back into the Old Testament. Now, remember this. God created mankind for two reasons primarily. What are those reasons? Number one, for His glory, which means we live our lives to glorify Him, right? Number two, for relationship with His people, right? Relationship, very important. But what ended up happening very quickly with Adam and Eve is they got selfish. And that selfishness, God called sin. For a lot of us, we think about the whole sin thing. And it's like, oh, I go to church and they're talking about sin. Oh, well, that's like important stuff like murder and adultery. And hold on. Selfishness. That's all it is. Those are merely extreme forms of selfishness, right? Really, all sin comes down to you saying, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what God wants to do. All right. So what that means is that anyone that has any selfishness needs to be saved by Jesus Christ. Right? And you're like, well, I'm a good person. Oh, I'm sure you are. You're probably a better person than me. Point is, you're still human. You're still selfish. So you still need a savior. Right? So what happened was, is God said, I'm going to fix the problem once and for all later on. But until we get there, you're going to find out that was through Jesus. Before we get there in the Old Testament, I got a system that I'm going to set up called the sacrificial system, the temple system. It's going to be run by priests. And what it's going to be like is that it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to take care of it. But until then, you can do this and we'll be cool between each other. It's a temporary fix. What was that system? Well, here's how it goes. That 
although they did sacrifice and all these different things for their sin, the priests had to do cleansing. As a matter of fact, a lot of people had to do cleansing. What they would say is, I can't fix my inside, so I'm going to do something outside that is symbolic of cleaning up on the inside. So what do I do? Well, before I touch anything holy, I'm going to wash my hands. Does it really matter? Is there really germs that are going to ruin God's stuff? No. It was not about the washing. It was what the washing meant, right? So they would do ritual cleansing. If a priest had to do something super important, he had to get washed from the top of his head all the way down to the bottom of his feet. Why? It was symbolically saying, I need to get right before God. So they did that. If you got converted from some other religion and became an Orthodox Jew, they would do a washing over your whole body as symbolic of turning over a new leaf. That's where baptism started. But the stuff that we're doing today, that really didn't get rolling until about 2000 years ago. A guy walks onto the scene named John the Baptist, right there in his name, yeah? I don't think he signed his checks that way. I think we called him that, right? John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. This guy comes in the same old school view as everybody else was doing. He looked that way, he acted that way, but something was different. He said, you know what? This whole cleaning up thing, I get it, but I think our situation is more desperate than that. I don't think we can just wash our hands. As a matter of fact, I don't even think we can wash ourselves. I think that we are so broken that it's like we're basically dead in our sin. And we need someone else to lower us down in the water and raise us back up to life. So he started doing a baptism in the river. Nobody even knows where he got the idea from. But he started doing a baptism in the river that he said, this is a baptism for repentance of sins. We're going to get ourselves cleaned up and ready because the Messiah is about to come. Right? That's what he said. So all his baptizing was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Who's the Messiah? Jesus Christ, that's right. So he was looking forward to that. Then one day he sees him. Imagine how crazy that is. He's been talking about the Messiah and talking him up and talking him up and talking him up. Boom, he's on the other side of the street. He says to his followers, he's like, that's the dude. That's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's the one all of Israel's been waiting for for thousands of years. He's right there, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So whenever he would baptize, he's like, listen, I'm only baptizing you with water. That guy, he cleans up more than the outside. He cleans up the whole inside. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's crazy, right? So how shocking was it that he's out baptizing in the Jordan River when all of a sudden the Messiah walks up to him? That's where I'm going to read a little bit of the scripture to you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the different accounts in the different parts of the Bible, smoosh them together, and share what it would sound like if they were all talking at the same time. Sounds like this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, that's in the north of Israel, to the Jordan River to John the Baptist to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, wait, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. But Jesus said, let it be so now. 
for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So he consented. And Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, behold, immediately when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open to him and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending on him in bodily form like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased man how radical is that yeah i mean that's the messiah you baptize him boom voices from heaven holy spirit dropping it was this crazy time right but jesus getting baptized was a very unique situation it's not quite like ours why a couple reasons the first primary reason leads to the second the first one is jesus didn't have any selfishness to get cleaned off He was perfect and pure. So why in the world is he getting a rinsing? I mean, that kind of sounds weird, right? That you're like, well, if you don't have any sin, why do you need to get baptized? What's the cleansing for? What are you repenting for if you didn't do anything? Well, what did he say? He said, this isn't about my personal sin. This is about me fulfilling everything for righteousness. And you're like, what does that mean? I'm going to do everything right. And you're like, oh, well, that's sweet for you. (laughs) Nope. Deeper than that. Why? That leads to number two. What's the deeper thing? He did it for you. You're like, what? Why does he need to get baptized for me? Because think about it this way. Jesus lived every step of his life in perfect obedience to his heavenly father. He handled every relationship right. He handled every internal thought right. He handled all of it. He did everything that an Orthodox Jew would need to do. He fulfilled the complete system of the Old Testament perfectly. Why would he do all that? Because when he dies on the cross, it says he takes the code and nails it to the cross and makes an offer to you. What is the offer? I'll trade my record for yours. I did everything perfect. Do you want my record? My record says pure, clean, holy, right. I want to give you mine and I want to take your broken one. I want to take your messed up one. I want to take your sin filled one. I want to take your one that says condemnation. I'll switch you. Someone's got to die for this. I'd rather it be me than you. That's the love of Jesus Christ, right? Incredible. Yeah. Praise God. Well, sure enough, Jesus dies and he comes back out of the tomb. Now, all the baptisms that are done are not looking forward to the Messiah. They're looking back at what he already did. So now when we lower down, we even have a deeper meaning, which is what? You went down in the grave with Jesus because a dead person doesn't have to account for their sin. It's already been paid for. And you rise up in a state of grace and forgiveness. And now mercy is walking with you every day. Now you explode out of that water as a cleansed born again believer that's the symbol but make no mistake all that was a heart thing that happened before they got in the water the water is just giving you a visual of what had just occurred beforehand all right we're going to get into that but let me just 
remind you of this verse. It says Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Like a big hug, like a wrapped up blanket. When, when we say yes to Jesus, He envelops us. And so every time the Father sees us, they see us with His righteousness wrapped around us. This is all about identity. Who are you? Ah, let's keep moving forward. It says this. Titus 3, 5 through 6. Jesus saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What's important about that? I want you to see all the words of extra and overload that are used there. Because there's some of us that still think we have to convince God to love us. And that is incorrect. God already loves you. Well, I don't know. I didn't do anything. I've been kind of a, you know, this and that. You're right. You are. And he still loves you. And I want you to think about it this way. For those of you that do not have children, I need you to kind of just use your imagination here that you are a parent. And the reason why is that when you're a parent, you recognize something unusual when you have your first baby and the baby and this is the weirdest day in the world you have a baby and they let you take it home <laughs> everyone for the first time you're like dude don't give it to me like that's this i don't know what i'm gonna do i'll break it don't like it you know and you're driving out of the parking lot really slow right you're getting a <laughs> by your second kid you're peeling out and you're like forget that i'm getting home right i'm tired of being in this hospital And then you bring the baby home and you're like, what do I do with it? Praise the Lord. It is simply a plant. It doesn't do anything. It just lays there. It just lays there. It doesn't do anything. You feed it and stuff, right? You got to feed it and water it, spray stuff on it, right? You feed the little baby and plants don't poop. Babies poop. All right, cool. We can figure that one out. So, but it doesn't go anywhere. It does. It certainly doesn't pull its own weight. You know what I'm talking about? Doesn't mow the lawn, doesn't do anything. It's just laying there. It's just baby, right? And here's what's intriguing. When the parent looks at the baby doing nothing, what fills their heart? Love. I need you to understand that God looks at you just like that. You're like, well, I didn't do... It's not about what you do. It's who you are. And God's love is so intense that He doesn't just love you, He likes you. And so he does all this extraordinary movement just to rescue you so that you and him can be okay. It's powerful, right? So baptism means primarily two things. And if you're taking notes, you might want to take notes on this. But it means primarily two things. What's weird about it is the Western world tends to focus on one and the Eastern world tends to focus on the other. Both are true. Both are powerful, but it's weird how one side thinks of one and one side thinks of the other. So let's talk about them. The first one is this. Baptism means a visual symbol of Christ's cleansing on the inside. A visual symbol of Christ's cleansing. That's what the Western world focuses on. When I tell you this stuff, you're going to be like, yeah, dude, I already know that. All right, that's because we talk about it all the time. 
It's an outward sign of an inward what work that already was done in your heart. Jesus changed everything. The sinless lamb was offered up once and for all. I'm dead in my sins. Boom. I'm alive in Jesus. This is a visual of something that happened inside my heart and I am resurrected in Christ. And now as a believer, I will never die. Does that make sense? I mean, that's the stuff that we're like, whoo, yeah, that's awesome, right? When you come up out of that water, when you are a believer, when God has made you born again, you are not born again without a purpose. You have meaning, you have design, you have intention. You see, all of Christianity is trying to unpack what did Jesus do for you? Every day you learn something new. Every day you're amazed by his mercy. Every day you're like, wow, you did what? Wow, I can do what? Wait, I am who? And that's the rest of Christianity. It's figuring that stuff out. But that's not the only meaning of baptism. That's just what the Western world focuses on. The Eastern world tends to focus on the second reason. And we're going to focus on that for a moment. Number two, here's the other reason. Public incorporation into a new community public incorporation into a new community what is it what does that mean when you get baptized you are included into the visible family of god and in the eastern world that is super dangerous it is the more important focus because of what it costs you you see when something happens inside your mind or inside your heart nobody else can tell they can only tell by your actions But when you go public as a Christian, you are now saying, I identify with this community and not with this one anymore. That's dangerous. Why? Well, see, out here, we kind of go, well, you know, I came, I was an atheist, and then I got saved, and nobody really cared. Let's say you live in a Muslim country. Your whole community is Muslim. Your whole community is tight-knit. And now, what did you just do? You went public and said, I am no longer of this community. I'm now in the Christian community. You are cut off from everything else. You see, this is the one that everyone was going, whoa, they did what? They went public? They went out loud? doesn't matter whether or not it's in a Hindu country or a Buddhist country. When you say, I'm all in with Jesus, it can mean some pretty dramatic things for you. The Eastern world knows this. They know about persecution. They know about difficulty. And so when they talk about baptism, they're saying, but you're now a part of us. You're now part of our family. There is only one family of God. You are now our sibling. We watch over you. We bear your burdens. We are connected. This is our people. Interesting. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body, meaning the human body, is one and has many limbs, and all the limbs of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What word do you keep hearing? One. There is not multiple families of God. There's one family of God. Either you're in it or you're not in it doesn't matter what country you come from doesn't matter what time period you live in doesn't matter whether your gender doesn't matter your ethnicity there is one family of god that means we watch out for each other and when someone goes public 
we embrace them because they're one of us now. That is so powerful. Community matters. So when we watch someone get baptized, what are they really doing? What are they really saying? Because they invited you here, right? I mean, there's a bunch of you that are here that are family and friends. Why in the world did they invite you to watch them get wet? You've seen them that, do that at a pool party a million times. What makes this one any different? Think about it this way. In your mind, how many different events of your life would you send out formal invitations to? I could only come up with seven. The most popular is what? Wedding. Anybody know what a wedding really is? Weddings are weird. Right? Why the heck am I bringing you presents? Right? Why am I bringing you presents? What is a wedding? Because here's what's funny. You're not watching them fall in love. They were already in love before we ever got here. So you're not observing that. You're not observing the end and culmination of their relationship like they get married and die. So what is a wedding? What are we really looking at? What are we watching? I'm bringing you a gift for what? What are you doing? You guys were already in love before. You're already going to be in love afterward. You were together before. You're going to be together after. So what am I witnessing? A public declaration of what is true. What do you think baptism is? Jesus saved you before it. You're going to walk with him after it. So what are we doing? A public declaration. And because it's so important, you want everyone that matters to you to see this that matters to you. Public witnesses. It is so important to have other people take part in an event with you. Why? Because it makes it more real. Think about it this way. You're outside late at night and you see a shooting star. First thing you say is, dang. Second thing you say, do you see that? You want to turn to somebody because now it's legit. If no one else saw it, maybe it was just in your head. (laughs) And so we always turn to someone. You're at the Grand Canyon. You're at Niagara Falls. When you see it all by yourself, it's one type. But when someone is with you and it's a shared experience, it's a bigger deal. And it's more legit. When you witness something, whenever you do a wedding, I have to sign a certificate when I do a wedding and it says, I witness this. Then I have to go get one other witness and write it down on the marriage license. Why? Because when other people witness it, not only is it more real, but there's built in accountability and connection. If you're out at a restaurant one time and you see your buddy and he's having some weird, creepy, romantic dinner with some other woman that is not his wife, what are you going to do? Dude, I was at your wedding. I know you're married. You went public on that. So it's real clear to me what's going on. In the same way, when other people see and they go, I was at your baptism. You're legit. You're a Christian. What are we doing? You've gone public on that already. So that behavior, it doesn't really match up. I'm not quite sure what we're doing right now. But it's not always in the negative. Sometimes it's in the positive. Why? Because when we're observing all this stuff as a family, we're getting fired up. And dude, do you remember when you got baptized and, and, and Jesus was all fresh and new for you and everybody was clear, cheering for you and clapping and it was, do you remember that? Do you remember the joy of your salvation? Do you remember that fire that was in your spirit? Like we get all pumped up. And then one day... We start to have all these doubts. Man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't know what's going on. I feel 
bummed out all the time. I'm struggling with depression. I don't know. Maybe this isn't even legit for me. What do you think the rest of us are going to tell you? I was at your baptism. It is absolutely legit. I remember the day that you stood up in front of everyone and said, I'm all in with Jesus. I remember the day that you were pumped. I remember the day. I even was there the day that you gave your life to the Lord. What I'm telling you is it's real. Don't you let the enemy lie to you. When we back each other up like that, you see why you need witnesses. You know, one time I baptized a guy all by himself in the river and it was in January. Stupid idea. <laughs> the only reason it was just me and him and, and I, we didn't have any other witnesses. And you go, well, why would you do that? Because he was being deployed. And it was this, I don't know if I'm coming back. This is a long time ago. And so it was just him and me. I was his witness. I was the one that got to be with him there in the water. And that mattered. But how beautiful it would have been if I could have had him right here in the family and let everybody love on him. When someone gets baptized and you see him afterwards, you're going to know who they are because they all look like drowned rats. (laughs) I want you to encourage them. I want you to hug them. I want you to care over them. And I want you to just say, I'm so proud of you for going public. You see, we don't have a lot of rituals here at Bridgeway, right? We do communion. That's kind of a ritual, right? Where it's powerful and meaningful. Well, baptism is kind of like that. It's important. But before we go into this, I want to answer some questions that you may have in your mind. So I'm going to wrap this up with answering some questions. The first one that is super important for us to solve is, is baptism necessary for salvation? Here's what I mean. Do you need to get in the water in order to get to heaven? Right? Because there are verses in the Bible that says, repent and be baptized and you will be saved. And so everyone's like, dude, they're linked together. It's legit. You got to get in the water if you want to get to heaven. But is that what the Bible says? I want to read some verses to you. John 6, 40. For this is the will of my father, Jesus said. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Any mention of water there? No. John 1.12 But to all who received Him, Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Any mention of water? No. Romans 10.9 Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. Any mention of water? No. The outward doesn't save you. It's the inward. There's no magic in the water. We're not saying, oh, I hope that person gets saved. I hope they sufficiently get wet. They're already saved. They're just going public with the information, right? Now, this is very, very important. The story of the thief on the cross, y'all remember that story? That confirms baptism is not necessary for salvation. Why? Because he didn't get off the cross, go get wet, get back up on the cross, and then die. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he's one of the only ones we know for sure got saved. And he didn't get baptized. So, is it necessary? No. Can something be important and meaningful and not necessary for for salvation? Yes. Communion is that way. Do we need to have communion to get saved? No. Is it important? Absolutely. That's what this is like. Question number two. How wet do you need to get? (laughs) 
right? You got three choices. Three choices. Fully dunked, really wet, or kind of wet. Those are your three choices. Now at Bridgeway, we do immersion, right? We do the whole fully dunk thing. And it's to us, we take it super seriously. You know why? Because there are floaters. There are people, you lay them in the water, boop, they never go down. You're like, what the heck is wrong with you? Right? I don't know what it means, but it can be good. So what we have taught our pastors to do is you either grab them by the shirt in the back and just drown them, like pull them down. Or if you want to be overt about it, you just place your head, your hand right over their face, shove that person right underneath the water. Because if they come up dry, it ain't legit. Right? Why do we do immersion? Why do we do the whole dunk in the tank thing? Is it because it's the only way to do it? No. No, it's that baptize the word means immerse. So we're just being more literal going, oh, okay, it means to go all the way down. And we like the word picture that you go all the way in the grave with Jesus and you come out the other side. Does that make sense? But once again, is that the only way? No, it's not. Why? So a couple of years ago, I was in Ephesus. Ephesus is, uh, is overseas and it's in Turkey. And I got a chance to see the place, the same hometown where Jesus' best friend John and his mom finished out the rest of their life. And they had a baptismal built into the ground. It's still there. You can go in. You walk down a couple steps and then you come out the other side and it's super small. It's about three feet deep. Y'all know how tall I am? I am six foot three inches tall. Me being in there and trying to figure out how to get immersed makes it look like a giraffe in a bathtub. There's no way I'm getting under that water. And the reason why is they didn't immerse. What they would do is they'd have you stand in the water in the middle and they'd scoop water and pour it over your head in the name of the Father, scoop number two, in the name of the Son, scoop number three, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And they would get you mostly wet. Is that legit? Absolutely. I remember one time there was a gentleman in a wheelchair and we went out to his backyard and he couldn't be dropped into the water. So we had him tilt his head back and I scooped in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son name of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. So what about the flicking method? Right? The little sprinkling thing. Right? You're like, is that like a mister? Is that what you're... What's going on there? I didn't get wet enough to be saved. Okay, it's not about salvation. The the water is not what saves you. It's the Jesus that saves you. Right? So what about sprinkling? Think about being in a place in this world where it's very desert and there's no way you can waste water. What if you just got touched with water? What if you just got blessed with water? Is that still legit? Of course it is. Of course it is. So I finish out with the last question. By the time you see how we do this, by the time you see what's going on here, by the way that you feel the vibe in the room and you see the smiles and the tears on their face, you're going to want to get baptized again. I can guarantee you. So let's answer the question. Do we need to get re-baptized? Right? I'll answer that. But as our kids come in, can we just appreciate our kiddos? Come on. Hi, guys. Woo!
We are very glad that you are here. You make this whole thing better when we get a chance to see you cheer. All right, now, question. Do you need to get baptized again? The answer is yes and no. It all depends. So first of all, you need to get baptized if the first one wasn't legit. What would make the first one not legit? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one is it wasn't a baptism in the Christian tradition. What do I mean? Uh, with all due respect, I have friends that are Mormon. I honor them for a bunch of stuff they do. But if you got baptized into the Mormon church, we're talking about a different Jesus. We're talking about a whole different process. So baptism there does not It does not count as a baptism in the Christian tradition. So yeah, you would need to get baptized again. If you were baptized as a baby, I need to be real clear on this. What happened to you was beautiful and wonderful and holy and awesome. But it was much more like a baby dedication than it was a baptism. Why? Because a baptism says, I have chosen to go all in for Jesus and the little babies can't make that statement. Does that make sense? So I would encourage you to be baptized as an adult. But here's where you don't need to be rebaptized. You ready? You do not need to get back in the water if you're like, dude, I can get extra power. Sweet. I can just go get dipped again. And now I'm legit, right? Now I'm all Captain America on everybody. No, that is not a thing. Don't do that. You also don't need to get baptized again if you just simply got baptized at another church or another denomination. Why? There's only one family of God. If you are legit, you're legit. That's it. We don't need you to show off anything to us. You're already our brother and sister. We don't need to do that all over again. Does that make sense? Right on. And then finally, I do encourage you to consider being baptized again if you personally didn't mean your first one. And what I mean by that is somebody pressured you to do it, right? Oh, we're all getting baptized as a family, and you're like, I don't even like this stuff. Oh, we're doing it anyway. We can't have you stay out. If there was any type of pressure on you to go do that, and now you own it as an adult, you might want to consider doing that again. Because I need it to be between you and Jesus, not for somebody else. Amen? Amen. Now... One thing I want to encourage you, and I can also tell the kiddos this. This is pretty cool. Hi, guys. Uh, Check this out. Pastor Matt Bach, who is one of our pastors here, he is over in Israel. He is over at the Sea of Galilee this weekend where Jesus walked on water. He's in that same location, and yesterday he baptized two of our people from church in Israel where Jesus lived. How cool is that? Yeah? Amen. Yeah? Impressive. All the way across the planet, Bridgeway is baptizing all on the same weekend, whether it's in Jesus' hometown or whether it is right here in Roseville, California. We are part of an amazing move of God. Baptism, it's important. It's deep and meaningful. Community matters. So we're about to walk into this. We're going to have the worship team play. We're going to cheer every time. Remember, whenever somebody comes up out of that water, you're going to see them on the screen. When they come up out of the water, you cheer with everything that you have. Now, they're not going to hear you at the beginning because water's coming out of their ears, but all the rest of us can hear you. And it is celebration, celebration, celebration. So I'm going to pray us into this time. When I say amen, we're going to stand up for worship and we're just going to enjoy what God has done. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your glorious rescue.
Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing sacrifice. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing us in and empowering us and filling our hearts. God, we pray right now for everyone getting baptized that any anxiety would be gone in Jesus' name. And there is nothing but celebration and fun and laughter and going public about their Jesus. Lord, I pray for family and friends that are here. Lord, if there is any here that have never yet said, Jesus is my Lord, may today be the day. That God, that today we hold up our hearts and we say, God, cleanse me, heal me, fix me. I admit I'm way out of line. I need a savior. I got no plan for my afterlife. I need to know my God. Lord, would you rescue us today? I pray, Father, that for the atmosphere of this room, that it would be that which is glorifying to you, that the praise that rises up makes you smile. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.